0: Warning. Warp core collapse in ten seconds. What? I got a bad feeling about this. It's a trap. That
1: was a disaster.
0: I think it's because I mentioned Phantom Menace, and then everything just went to shit after that. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Star Boys, the podcast about all things sci-fi, especially those beginning with Star. I'm Trevor. And I'm Bryce. This week we're going to be talking about Discovery Season 2, Episode 9, Project Daedalus. Can we just play like a large fan-force celebratory
0: tone, like Discovery may have arrived?
1: Hey! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: I think we need to, uh, I think it's time for us to try to get an intern again. Why is that? I don't know. It just seems like, you know, uh, it would be nice to just be able to say that some random person is going to edit something in and then maybe actually have it happen.
1: <laughs> is that a shot at me? The editor? No,
0: no, it's actually a shot at me because I feel guilty that I don't edit <laughs> and I would feel less guilty if it was some uh, hmm. unpaid
1: pawn. I mean, very important intern (laughs) who was doing it. Uh, We're coming up on the end of Discovery, of, well, of this season of Discovery. I was like, do Um, you know something I
0: don't about the future of Discovery?
1: (laughs) It has been renewed for season three. Um, I I, I I had an idea for our off season, though. Oh, yeah? I think it was last year or the year before we did a sci-fi movie preview. We watched a bunch of trailers. Oh, yeah. That'd and then we fun. never followed up and watched any of those movies?
0: Yeah, well, it'd be fun to kind of do both. It'd be fun to maybe watch some that we talked about, but we're getting towards trailer season.
1: Yeah, uh, we should watch a bunch of trailers again. That That's always fun. And then maybe like once a month, we can find something that we're both excited about that we can both access from our different parts of the world and yeah, do an I'm, episode on it. Uh, I'm going to be um, purchasing a VPN soon,
0: so... That will not be as big of an issue for oh, nice. me. Um, <clears throat> um so Trevor, I read something really um interesting and I don't know if if this has come up before, but uh, did you know that Netflix, you know, prepaid for all this before they were
1: even in pre production? And so I, this I go- they had some financing in involved. Essentially in it, the
0: entire budget of the show Was covered by Netflix's contract, which meant that for CBS, this was already break even point. Mm. And so they felt like that could lead to some um, creative choices that, you know, more risk taking and also a slower developing series. So I thought that was interesting that that finance from Netflix came so early that they already knew at worst they were going to do a little better than breaking even yeah so oh. i i found that interesting and it might it might explain why it's been a bit of a slow you know we've seen glimpses here and there but i think this is the first episode where i was like wow that was a
1: really excellent episode of television yeah well i guess i wouldn't say the writers have treated it like a slow uh, no Slow series. Almost <laughs> slow like start. they're that, stumbling in the dark. There's way a too bit. much going on in the first season. But, yeah. but yes, I this is one of my favorite episodes so far. Mm. We're talking, of course, about season two, episode nine, Project Daedalus, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. I actually didn't see that, but it just felt like him. Well, uh, we discussed it at the end of last week's episode.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe that, that that's <laughs> probably why I actually knew it then. Because um, I was going to give this a casual watch through the first time through. I, you can't really casually watch this episode. It's not an episode to just have on in the background. Now, after you've seen it and you know the plot twist, sure. Or not twist, but the directions it goes. Yeah. Um, but I had a much less productive 45 minutes than I was expecting to. I didn't write a single note the first time I watched it. I just
1: watched it. And That's the way it. to do it. It experience is experience it once, then take notes.
0: A lot of times I'm further behind, but I got two watches in on the day before we record, so that was um, that really helped my my time table. And today I was able to just kind of jot some notes down and go through it one more time. So. Why do you think this was such a good episode? Um It made sense out of some things that I wasn't sure about. I feel yeah. like uh the, the section thirty one plot line feels a lot different now.
1: And it was and definitely the culmination of some teases that we'd been waiting to be fulfilled. Um
0: I'm glad I guess that Spock is going to be a bit of a character. I mean, if he's going to be there, I don't just want him <laughs> to be. He's a bit of
1: a character. That Spock. I, don't,
0: I just don't want him to be fucking catatonic for another like two or three episodes. Yeah,
1: that was pretty boring. Okay. Um, now he's the opposite. He's like throwing things off tables and uh, mm, snarling about how he likes emotion so much. I like the balance between
0: Pike and Cornwell. Uh, I like that she. I th- I think we'll get to this maybe a bit later, but I really thought that dynamic was really
1: interesting. Um, I would say the the one thing that stood out to me by the end of the episode was I think they learned some lessons from the short tracks mm. here and and how to tell a, like satisfying complete story. Uh, it's it's not a standalone like it has links to other stuff, but it it does pick out one character. And tell a story, and when her story ends at the end of the episode, it fades to black, and that's the end of the episode. There's not ten more minutes of teases, cliffhangers. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's enough of a cliffhanger in this in this episode. I feel like I mean, (laughs) there there are questions to be answered, but you are right. It does. It takes one storyline through a complete arc while still progressing the the overall
1: plot of the of the series. So, at the start of the episode, uh, Admiral Cornwell comes on board Discovery, and we learn a little bit more about control. Yeah. Uh, control had been alluded to in previous episodes, but I, I guess I didn't really realize that they're using this AI to make strategic decisions for them. Section 31, is they they feed info into it, and it spits out the... Correct path for them, right? And then, and then, and what li- could go wrong? Well, we're led—we're like led
0: to believe that then <laughs> that's presented to the Admiralty,
1: and they make the final decision. But it seems like something has gone wrong, right? Because other Admiral Section Thirty-One Admiral has handed over complete control to control. Yeah, well, I mean, we never intended for Skynet to be evil. <laughs> yeah, this is a. <laughs> Common sci-fi trope, of course. It is. One that we haven't seen often in Star Trek. I, At first, I was a little leery of this. It seems kind of like this could excuse all of Section 31's moral ambiguity. And I'd be like, oh, they're they're only bad because of this rogue computer.
0: I don't think it... Ex- I think that the, the, the wild card that it never excuses is Georgiou. I feel like she is kind of this... Wild card who never even pretends. Yeah, but
1: she's not a fundamental part of Section Thirty-One. Like we know, she's a mirror.
0: No, she's not. She's not, and she. I think that she is not at all governed by by Starfleet's um,
1: mission statement. Whereas the rest of them, in theory, are. Um, I was just a little worried that they're going to continue what they did in season one, too. Like present what seems to be moral ambiguity and interesting ethical questions. And then in season one, uh, just kidding, Lorca's a mirror guy. So mm. you thought he was a complex character, but he's really just a guy with a goatee.
0: Yeah, um, I'm just going to jump ahead in the notes just for a second, because I feel like this ties in where Admiral Cornwell is defending uh, Section 31 and their use of of technology True. that is forbidden. So, like, even baked into the admiralty of
1: Starfleet. Mines, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. a, uh, a real-world concern as well. There's treaties that ban use of mines, and then, I yeah, know. Yeah, because it's, I mean, in Vietnam, certain there's Certain countries ignore <laughs> Yeah, Those well, and rules. When, you,
0: when, when you look at it, I mean, if you look at, at Vietnam in particular, like, they're still digging up mines, and people still get blown up every year from mines. And then yeah. even here in, in Germany, it's not mines, but there are a lot of undetonated World War II bombs here. And, like, I came home from work one day and couldn't go to my house because there was a taped-off area because there was a bomb <laughs> that they had dug up during construction. Um, but I, I, I think that that... That means that they're still baked into the Admiralty this idea that there are times where it's okay to to go around the rules that the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. Still, at, at least that's what I took away from that.
1: I mean, Cornwall even knows she's in a moral gray area, and she even yeah, she's explicitly saying that. Yeah, yeah. She, she said sometimes in war the terrible choice is the only choice. Right, and then Pike is our you know our our.
0: Our proxy for maybe what we want Starfleet to become, but what it isn't yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, giving up our values in the name of security is to lose the battle in advance. And that is very idealistic. Uh, and and I, very Star Trek. And very Star Trek. Very <laughs> Star Trek.
1: Um, so I, I quite yeah, like Admiral that. Cornwell kind of acts like she she wins this argument. She she explains that uh they sent the enterprise away with captain pike during the klingon war to preserve the best of federation values if everything else got destroyed mm-hmm. but that's kind of a cop out and it doesn't really say it doesn't explain why he's wrong to have ethics <laughs> no no but i think nor does it nor does it really Explain why or justify why you have to give up your moral principles just to win a war.
0: No, it, it's interesting and it's an interesting question about Section 31 and it's an interesting question in how we handle modern security now is um, it really seems that Section 31 wants people who are just going to follow orders. Hmm. Yeah. And Starfleet is more—we we see it as the uh, more principled, and it's okay to stand up and risk a court
1: martial if you think you're right. Where Section Thirty-One and, might just blow you out of an airlock. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense with this control thing too, though, because if if you're just following what an AI decides is the right course, that's not where we what we're used to with Star Trek—at least not Next Generation era, where. Picard is carefully considering the moral and ethical implications of every choice. Right, I think that's what a lot of Star Trek is about, is about humans making informed choices based on principles. Well, and it's it's it seems to me,
0: too, that it's one of these um, we And we build- humanity is
1: capable of that.
0: I Yeah, yeah. But I see control as this thing that was built up to be necessary during the war and it's a relic of the war. And just like you know, the Patriot Act, like it, it, it is only intended to make those calculated decisions to win a war. But then after the war oh, is over, sold that
1: way, but
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know about the <laughs> intentions, but <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but whereas... the, but that that does tie in well with this. I think there's any number of, uh, any number of principles that are given up during wartime we see in uh real life uh, where we see the consequences afterwards and we kind of have to reflect on what we've done and rarely is it a positive reaction where we're like yeah that was good that we did that no certainly not reflection and being like oh maybe we probably shouldn't have tortured that didn't actually help certainly not in our lifetime you know you can look at maybe uh World War 2 is the first time that I am really able to have uh And that's only easy because we have such distance I think from it and mm. because the history is written already like Yeah and the, the, villains, moral are, history of the it villains are the villains are not written. are not redeemed they're not you know like, the, it's it's it's, it's I'm sure there were plenty of questions at the time and there's still debates now about the ethics of dropping the Right, I'm uh, not saying and, that the nuclear bomb was a good thing. I'm saying that
0: it seems one that there's at least a case to have an argument on both sides. Whereas I feel like the wars in more recent memory, it's hard for me to argue in favor of um, what we yeah. did. And and again, the more importantly what was left over as a relic that was sold to us, like you said, to uh, to be in our best interest and then just kind of default carries on indefinitely. Right. But I, I loved it. I loved the idea that they had that conversation. I loved the idea that both felt like they had
1: the high ground
0: in the conversation. <laughs>
1: but uh, I do want to see Pike win. <laughs> in the long yes. term, I think we will because we know what the future holds for Star Trek. Well, Section 31 is still a thing, though, isn't it?
0: It's <laughs> still a moral gray area. Ends. yeah
1: wait down the line yeah. hopefully not hopefully they can retcon that and just destroy them <laughs> yeah so that that was super interesting and, and I feel like it does set up
0: uh, an interesting plot line going forward because presumably we're going to see how section 31 has to come to grips with this reality as well
1: which will be very yeah. telling in the types of people they are I guess yeah is section 31 going to be completely decimated at this point like the Admiral's dead. This control thing has rebelled mm. and tried to Skynet them. Uh, so uh, they might have to rebuild from the bottom up and really examine the principles that the Section 31 is built on. I do think that Section 31... Or th- if O is just in command now, then yeah. they might <laughs> devolve even further.
0: Um, I do feel like Section 31 makes a valid point. I, I feel like when we're dealing with the Red Angel... It 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 has to be treated with more uncertainty. It seems like Pike and Spock think of it as this solely benevolent thing and like I
1: I think they're still suspicious.
0: Are they? I, I feel like Section 31 is is maybe too suspicious, uh and maybe the the crew, you know. Uh, the crew sees it differently and uh, more sees that it is truthfully doing what it expresses the, to Spock that it's doing, which certainly doesn't have to be the case. I don't okay. know if you knew this, but sometimes people are deceitful for their own personal gains. Wow.
1: Really? Never me. Shall we talk about the main character of this episode? Yeah. The main Supporting character.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I kind of... I liked it. I, I liked that we had been... I had been led to believe that she was just uh, an evil mole. i have been yeah, taken talking over about, completely... Uh, Commander
1: Arium here, uh, yeah. who we've seen face the camera with red lights in her eyes for several episodes now. Indicating <laughs> right. that she's working for... Some other power.
0: And you're really right in what you said about the the short treks, that this, the way they develop her in one episode
1: is very much like short Mm -hmm. treks. And I I have... Yeah, because I could complain. I mean, we could complain easily about that they should have developed her more in season one, leading up to this. Like, all of this stuff with her interacting with the crew could have been planted throughout the series. Yeah. But putting that aside, like they can't solve that problem entirely in this episode and they do a good job of giving us a sense of what that would have been like.
0: Yeah. I actually go back and forth on that because um you don't really want to kill off a developed character. Like that's not something that's done very often in Star Trek. I mean, we saw it happen with Yar, no, but we
1: know. in this, they do want to manipulate our emotions. Like, they tried to do that with the Saru episode, where we felt mm. like it wasn't entirely earned, and then he didn't even die. Yeah. In this, they want to make it to be, like, a really sad, like, goodbye to a friend. Um, And I and think it, it does work. I was going to say, of, it does. Because you... of, throughout the episode, they give us the clips of her looking at her past life. But of I... Of her looking at her memories with the crew on of the Discovery. I didn't care
0: about her death as much because I didn't know her before the first time I watched this episode. I think <laughs> yeah. if you're talking about, yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know. Either way, it, it was interesting and it did work. I mean, it was a, it was a really good scene and really seeing Burnham struggle and in the end not being able to do it.
1: Do we um, know Aram's story? Did Does- did she s- have some sort of accident where she had to be? Yeah, she had cybernetically an accident, augmented. And
0: I think her husband died in the
1: accident. It Was in that crash.
0: Uh, it was on a flight going home after getting married. They, they don't. That's they, what they I
1: gathered from this, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know if it was explicitly. They did say that there was a crash, said, but they didn't I say what well, did, we had to rebuild her into the six billion dollar woman. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, and she, uh, where she has to, she only only has limited hard drive space and has to delete some of her porn every night to make more room for new memories. (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting concept. How do you feel about that? You just get to, like, delete memories. I thought it was cool, but it's kind of brushed over really quickly here. Like, that that could be the subject of a whole episode. It reminded me of the the movie from the 90s, uh, Strange Days, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring Ray Fiennes. (laughs) <laughs> I don't recognize any of those uh, things that you well, said. Ray, you, Ray fine you, sounds. Uh, you would definitely enjoy it. it. The whole concept of that was uh, recording memories and like sharing them, and you could experience somebody else's memory. Mm, all right, that's... and it, it had a very similar look to the way that she was reviewing memories. But yeah, that would that, that could have been its whole thing. It's it's it could have been uh, a whole thing, a whole episode. But I thought it was cool. I just I. I, I thought it was, it's strange that we haven't really heard much about cybernetic augmentation. So at one point, Kayla Detmer uh, says, three cheers for cybernetics. And yeah. she has the, the, the face implant. Yeah, we don't know exactly what its function is, but clearly she relies on cybernetics as well. And I'm wondering if at some point cybernetic augmentation becomes illegal or mm. just less accepted. Maybe too many people get hacked like Ariam and they I decide would say not that, to that this do epi- it as much. That this episode is
0: a definite uh, black mark on the cybernetics industry.
1: Because there's whole uh, stories, there's a whole series of books and games and movies about cybernetic augmentation and the ethics within that. Mm. Uh, and we haven't really seen that explored much in Star Trek other than Jordy with his visor. Mm. Which does get taken over at w- at one point in one episode. And does give him superpowers, I mean, to a certain extent. There are things that he can do with it that a normal person
0: can't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, th- I think we see it But then more... why doesn't everyone have computations? Right. right. Now, with with Jordy, it was a birth defect. And I would kind of think at some point...
1: Can you use cybernetics as prostheses? Maybe, yeah. but not as uh additional boosts. Right. Well, because we I mean we get
0: into it in Deep Space Nine with Julian and yeah. uh, the genetic manipulation, which is very similar, I think, in principle. I mean, creating a superhuman you can you can make their genes great or you can give them, you know, an exoskeleton. Either way, it's uh it's an
1: advantage. It could be an interesting thing for Star Trek to get into more, because a lot of Star well, Trek we... is about humanity uh being their best selves and and being right. self sufficient and and not being the Borg, I- improving themselves. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was gonna, it was going to come up eventually. We kind of we kind of skipped by it in the notes, but like, um, the best of ourselves is different than uh, the best in the. I, I don't know. I don't know. It. it you you had this Borg theory, and it doesn't sound as crazy. It doesn't quite line up as well as as we'd like it to. But there's certainly some some weird sphere consciousness thing here that is
1: uh, that, that is that at wants to gather is... up and assimilate. <laughs> yeah, but it more but and more.
0: Aren't we kind of led to believe? Oh, so I was thinking that that was responsible for what caused the destruction of all sentient life but maybe the destruction of
1: all sentient life was to stop the borg <laughs> you know maybe yeah. i was i was assuming yeah it, it was uh the ai getting bigger and bigger and more powerful and just deciding it doesn't need life anymore but mm. who knows life is the but, ultimate yeah, wild my, card my, my theory was Yeah, they basically accidentally create the Borg and then they just, like, spore drive them over to, like, the other side of the galaxy and be like, okay, that's good. We'll never see them again. (laughs) Until Q. (laughs)
0: Um, No, but it's it's super interesting how this is going to manifest. We also know that... um, Did we find out that, that... Mariam had uploaded 25% of the spheres contents to control.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and the rest of that spheres oh. contents is on discovery. So control is going to continue to be very interested in discovery. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what the future technology is like, but it seems like this might be too much data to, to send. So it might only exist on Discovery. That might be the only place it, it exists. Kind of just like the Spore Drive. Discovery is a very interesting There's no ship. internet. In this. Well, There's no w-
1: space internet.
0: It would be like me trying to send you via the internet a file that was like 6,000 petabytes.
1: Yeah, we have bandwidth issues just uh, recording a podcast. <laughs> right? right. <laughs>
0: uh, and like even for me to send you a file that were a terabyte would take how
1: long? I'd have to buy. A new yeah, I, it was hard taking drive. me a while to figure out how long a terabyte is. I can <laughs> I can download a game on my PlayStation that's like a hundred gigabytes in just a couple hours. So maybe only a day for a terabyte. Well, maybe a day. But this
0: could. I mean, this is this is significantly more than than that. I get the the impression. Um, yeah. And what what year is this again? Twenty two fifty or something?
1: Yeah, thereabouts. All right. Although the
0: technology seems to be growing exponentially. I, like, I have a, I think I have a micro uh, SD card that's 500 and some odd gigabytes.
1: It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> it's going to date this podcast in like a year when people listen to that. They're <laughs> really, like, ah, what? what? Like, we don't use gigabytes anymore. That's too small.
0: Well, once we get to quantum computing... It will increase by several orders of magnitude uh, because we still rely on ones and zeros, which actually takes up quite a bit more space than something that can occupy more than two states. Whoa. Yeah, it's coming. I'm referencing my uh, (laughs) computer science 101 class that I took more than a decade ago. (laughs) Probably already is a thing. It's probably in every smartphone already. I'm just an idiot. So the board are coming, obviously, and we're going to have a showdown between uh, the red Burnham Angel future being and, and, and control board. And the supercomputer.
1: Um, and Hal. Who's Hal? Hal 9000. The red light. <laughs> 2001. Oh, boy, that's a long time ago. Last it's time an I... iconic image. It's not like you have to have watched it recently. I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. Dave?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I it comes to mind first are the things that reference it. Like, uh, there's that thing in Venture Brothers that was very... Uh, yeah, it's a cultural touch. Yeah. Thing.
1: But you're cultureless.
0: No, I'm just ignorant. <laughs> Is that the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. i like the culture that i am exposed to i just hide under a rock so i can't be exposed very often you do like to expose pretty often uh to the authorities who are correctly. uh who i have to get a a uh <laughs> criminal background check from this week uh please don't listen to this <laughs> freedom of speech So um, the last thing maybe that we should talk about, we've been a bit all over the place this episode, which I think makes sense because the episode had a lot going on. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to me the way that the fast and slow episodes play differently. Because um, again, this was a, another episode where we didn't see Culber at all and Stamets seemed to be functioning. I mean, we had one We line. We get
1: a Spock talking about, Scene Culber moving out, <laughs> right, Um and it's 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 like they just want
0: to remind us that it's there, which I kind of I, I like. I like the fact that even yeah, though fine. that rather wasn't
1: than forcing in a scene just to yeah, check in on and, them every and rather episode. Rather than
0: I, I feel like you can't you can't really have Stamets in an episode without referencing it a little bit. Like we need to remember when we see Stamets that he's a little bit emotionally compromised uh, right? at the moment. Uh, so I, I thought that was good. I I, did, I didn't need a scene. I didn't need more development of that. That can be a slow burn storyline. That's fine. It would make total sense if it was a slower storyline. Um, But Stamets is still a very important member of the crew. They still rely on the spore drive. As far as I know, he's still
1: the only one who, you know, is. They still strap him in there every once in a while. On right. too. Um,
0: but then maybe the last thing we need to talk about after that is a little bit about the red angel and Spock who we see get angry and, and, and apparently like being angry. You wouldn't like yeah. me when I'm angry.
1: But you would like it when you're angry.
0: Uh, I really don't like it when I'm angry. And remember at Oberlin, there For was like, like a second, There was that, like that, there,
1: that thrill and the, then comes the shame. Trevor, you, uh
0: you knew me and there are two things in my life that made me angry when i when i when we lived together one was playing competitive real sports
1: one was sexism he just just got so angry anytime he saw it yeah sure (laughs) um
0: one was tennis and like real sports i break bunch of rackets it was not it was not an enjoyable thing and the other thing was playing video games against someone where i also broke
1: things (laughs) yeah so competition
0: yeah and i just i removed those from my life for the most part and i'm a much happier person
1: so if you were playing space chess you might have the same reaction as spock
0: yeah chess is surprisingly uh difficult like i i really did like chess but it does evoke the same thing because you get a similar adrenaline rush playing chess that you do playing a sport but you can't fucking do anything with it like you're (laughs) sitting there you can't use up you've got all this fucking adrenaline your heart's beating faster and there's like literally nothing you can do um so i i really felt spock's pain there it's it's kind of what what i'm what i'm getting at
1: I know this was kind of a confusing scene. Spock is like intentionally losing because he doesn't want to give Burnham what she wants, just some sort of emotional catharsis. Yeah, um, there, there's not a lot of of progress here. They're just kind of talking through some of their issues and yelling and, at each other.
0: Yeah, they're really, really. Um. I feel like we know more about Burnham so it seems like what Spock is saying is more biting to me at any rate watching it like mm-hmm. um but that's because we don't know Spock in his childhood which is very clearly what they're kind of referencing here it's not Spock on 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 the Enterprise it's
1: it's it's early childhood development Spock right um but and I we ha- get another reference here to burnham's parents being killed yeah or she, she felt helpless behind the door and watching. we even we even see we even get to like see the memory mhm um
0: and yeah just basically his criticism is that that she um she doesn't want to feel pain she'd rather just feel responsible um which mm. does kind of make sense that it's, she kind of seems to 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 like that and yeah. and I what what does she say to Spock? Like I just I can't I, I couldn't grasp her criticism of Spock as well because I don't know him as well. Hmm. Um. Yeah. But I Me think it neither. probably was equally biting. And do you think at some point they're going to have to reconcile, hug it out?
1: Yeah yeah I think we're leading towards that,
0: and maybe do we, do we think in this, two
1: episodes from now?
0: do you think that we're gonna also like how do you think Spock is gonna fall here like it seemed like he was pretty emotional, more emotional as a child, and then like in the Spock that we knew from the original series, he was pretty logical and emotionless, and now he's gone back to like identifying with his human background do we think that
1: that that something's n- going to happen that puts him back into logic mode?
0: No, I kind of think that I might like it better if he embraces both sides of himself. And yeah. recognizing that the reason he drifted towards logic was probably because of the logic extremists. And that he was always just suppressing his human side because he didn't want to appear different. I don't know. I would be more interested in a Spock in this series if he's going to continue to appear who is different from the Spock that we knew before. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think that there's a chance that he can find, like, a mid-ground where he can actually embrace his human side.
1: All right, looking ahead to the next episode. You're always doing
0: research out ahead. Making me look no. bad. I mean, I could really we'd have done that too. The next episode is season two, episode ten, um, something.
1: The Red Angel. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, right. I'm a little bit worried, now that we have two episodes left, that they're going to run into the same problem that the writers did last season, where they had to frantically tie everything up in mm. one 45 minute episode. It's um, possible. They did, I believe, add an episode to the order partway through, so maybe they're cognizant of that. And the next episode could be uh, a lot of tying up with the Red Angels storyline, and then the last episode could kind of be the, the cool down where we <laughs> take things a little bit more slowly. Uh, yeah,
0: and, and you can, if you want, push section
1: 31 to season three because I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, any of this stuff you could, I guess you could even push the conclusion of the whole red angel thing. Yeah, you could, um, but
0: I'm I'm thinking for yeah, section the, 31, it might be interesting to look at section 31 after not only the war has been resolved, but the red angel has been resolved and there's not like an imminent threat to, to the, um, galaxy. We have could to be- write
1: a new charter. New Section 31 charter. Yeah.
0: And so I I think it makes more sense to tackle, if the Red Angel storyline is going to wrap up, to tackle Section 31 after that. Because I think that Section 31 can still use kind of wartime propaganda
1: to say, ooh, there's this vigilante who... I guess we've seen so many of those themes coming to the foreground in the last few episodes that it would be nice to wrap some of that up too. Maybe with, maybe just with, pike giving a big speech about (laughs) principles (laughs) but something to say like going forward starfleet's gonna be more like the star trek that we're used to right less like morally compromising
0: i mean that's what we want from this series we want this series to develop that's what's interesting but it doesn't need to be solved right away but to at least have a a statement of purpose to aspire that, to. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can always have a step back, you know? I mean, even even the next generation did that from time to time. I mean, do we watch the drumhead for one of our mm-hmm. inspiring discoveries? I mean, I think that's a really good example of that. That just because your overall ideals are pure and in one direction, it it's never going to mean that every person is. And people can advance to roles that still give them power to... To affect
1: that ideology. All right, we'll be back next week with more discovery. We'll be back in the future with more all things sci-fi. Yeah, we got to get back to Rick and Morty one of these days. Yep, that's a thing. That's sci-fi. I wa- I watch more Alien News Desk. It it it, it does not get better. <laughs> all right, thanks for making yeah. that sacrifice, so yep. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you all for making the sacrifice of listening to this podcast. If you like what you've heard, you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Starboys Podcast or individually at Ever Prescott and at Bryce's Wrong. You can email us at starboyspodcast at com, or call our voicemail line. Leave us a message at 302-313-1533. Our music is by Eric Matias. You can find his work at soundimage.org. And I, I guess this is all what we would have the intern say, right? Yeah. Our producer. Yeah.
0: And also, oh. you know, start editing we can just, it. We could just hire somebody on Fiverr. I mean, and start editing it immediately and drop it, like, Sunday evening. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a week behind. Sorry, guys. I'm telling you, we need a fucking intern. Like, you shouldn't have to work this
1: hard. Come I home- shouldn't have to work. I should just reap the benefits. Which is the dozens of listens. (laughs) Ten! Maybe not more than multiple tens. (laughs) Alright. Alright. Bye. I don't like this.
0: I find your lack of faith disturbing. Oh, switch off!